0: All right, well, I am here again humbled by what the Lord has asked me to do. As many of you that know me know that this is not easy for me, and um, my husband said, Honey, every time that you do it, it's going to get a little bit easier. But can I say that my nerves started last week at the last worship song. I was already feeling sick to my stomach, so bear with me today. However, I do feel like I'm learning because those of you that were here the first time back in September when I spoke— I was up here for less than a minute, and I had to take my shoes off because I felt like I was going to fall over. So you get me barefoot, okay? So unless I'm, I'm preaching in sandals, you'll probably always get me barefoot. Um, once the, the shaking wears off, then I do pretty good from there. So please extend some grace with me this morning. Well, let me ask you, have you ever started something in life, and you're all excited about it, but then a little way into this new adventure, you maybe start to lose steam? Well, it's easy to want to start something new, but after a while you realize that there may be some bumps in the road or it's going to take you a little longer than you thought, and you just aren't sure that you have the energy to keep pressing forward. Have you ever been there? Or maybe you're there today. Maybe there's something that you feel like you're just not sure if you can continue. Today I'm going to be talking about pushing through when you feel like quitting, and I have titled it Don't Quit. Father, I just pray for your people this morning. I pray that their hearts and ears would be open to the message that you have for them today. Lord, you know how nervous I am, and so I just pray, God, that even through my nerves that you would be able to use me as a vessel to advance your kingdom. Father, I believe that you have this message for them and that if they truly apply it to their life, Lord, that they just wouldn't be hearers of the word but doers of the word. And I believe that if they apply this to their life, Lord, that it will be life changing and i just pray god that they would not leave here the same as when they walked in holy spirit we invite you into this place in jesus name amen well new journeys they're always so exciting right anything new is exciting whether it's a new car or a new house or new clothes ladies i don't know if you're with me but i love shopping but then there's those other things in life that are new when we begin, like relationships or jobs or things like that. Well, it's so fun to dream and get excited about something new. And as we all know, the start of something new is the easy part, right? Maybe for you, it's a marriage or relationship. We all know that relationships in the beginning are great, and the person that you are dating or just married is absolutely perfect in your eyes They could do no wrong. You enjoy everything about them, and those tingles that you get every time they are around are just so exciting. Dates with them are fun, and you truly enjoy a lot of laughter every time you are together. You look into one another's eyes without without interruption. You feel like you could talk for days. They are your perfect mate, and you just know that God has placed them in your life. This is what we call a little thing The honeymoon phase, right? It's exciting because it is new. Or that new job that you started in the beginning is exciting, and you love your job, you love the people that you work with, the hours are great, it pays well, and you finally feel like I have arrived. This is my dream job. You just can't wait to get out of bed in the morning and go to work, and you tell all your family and friends about it because you are exciting. And again, why is it exciting? It's exciting because it is new. Maybe it's a new health journey that you've decided to start. You're excited to get up on Monday morning and go to the gym and eat healthy foods that God has intended for you to eat. You just know that with this new routine that you are finally going to take control of your life and your health and make a change. After the first few days, the scale is already dropping the pounds and you want to tell everybody about it. You are determined that this new health kick you are on is going to last forever. And just like everything else, it's exciting because it is new. Finances. This is the year, God. You even fast the first 40 days of the year for your finances. You start the Dave Ramsey course to learn how to manage your money. You are so excited. You stop spending the extra money on things that you don't really need, like going out to eat, Starbucks coffee, if that is such a thing as spending too much money on Starbucks. I don't know. You stop your weekly trip to the mall, ladies. Men, maybe you stop going to Best Buy or Menards for the things that you don't really need. You are both on board and determined that you are going to succeed. You have goals in mind and nothing can stop you. Again, you tell all your friends and family about it and you are just so pumped because it is new. Let's say you start your walk as a Christian. You accept Jesus in your heart, you are on fire for the things of God, you get up every day, maybe read a scripture or two, you pray in the shower every morning, and you are excited for this new journey. Again, you tell your buddies or your girlfriends at work that you are now a Christ follower, and you just cannot wipe that smile off your face. You get excited to serve others and even start volunteering at church, and this is exciting because it is new. Whatever it is for you that was or is new, we all have those things in life that we desire to do, so we start them. But what happens is after time, we lose steam, and finishing is just not attainable in your eyes. It's just too hard. We start finding every excuse in the book of why we can't finish what we want, or we even do maybe stop running the race that we started. Why? Because the newness is going to wear off. It happens with everything. When I first started my health journey 15 years ago, our son Jace wasn't even a year old yet. I think he was about eight months old the day that we pulled into Colorado. We had moved there from Iowa as our first full-time pastor's position out of the state and away from family. And I found myself depressed after moving 10 hours away from family, so I started running several days a week. Those of you that have ever done this are going to be able to relate. I had not run a day in my life. I was like the couch to 5K person. I remember when I first started my runs, it was just a one-mile goal. I would run in a park there called Bittersweet Park. It was beautiful. It had a 1.2-mile running path around it, and there was a little lake in the middle of this. And it was just a, a good place to run. So I remember when I started out, I would run as far as I could, and then I would walk a little bit, and then I'd run a little bit, and then I'd walk a little bit, until finally, day after day, several weeks later, I was able to go the full 1.2 miles without stopping. Well, I felt so accomplished and proud of myself. This was not only helping with my depression, just getting exercise and fresh air, but it gave me something proud that I had accomplished. Well, from there, you can guess it, my next goal was two laps, so 2.4 miles, And I did the same thing. I would run the full 1.2 miles, and then that second time around, I would run a little bit and then walk a little bit and run a little bit and walk a little bit, and it was work. But eventually, little by little, I was able to do the full 2.4 miles without stopping. I may have wanted to stop, but I didn't. Well, by the time that we moved to Phoenix many years later, it wasn't uncommon for me to run between four and six miles five days a week, It was my alone time, and I really enjoyed it and still do to this day. But can I just say, running in Phoenix is a little bit different than running in Wisconsin, right? In Phoenix, you could run all year long. Like, I'd be running, and there would be, like, these big blow-up snowmen out in their yards, and I was in t-shirt and shorts running. It was the weirdest thing ever. So I enjoy my treadmill here in Wisconsin, But as much as I love the feeling of being done with my run or my workouts, can I just be honest? People don't believe me when I tell them this, but it's true. Most days, including this morning, I dread working out. It feels great when you're done, but some days I feel like I'm running through mud. My feet start to ache or my hip hurts. I get to a hill that looks like the size of Mount Everest and think I don't want to run up it. Well, at this point, I have a choice. I can either say forget it, throw in the towel, and walk home, or I can adjust. Well, what do I mean by that? Well, I can slow my pace down, and I can tackle the hill one step at a time. There are times I have to adjust my original plan, but that doesn't mean that I stop or quit. I can maybe focus more on my breathing and know, again, one step at a time, that I'll make it up the hill. Most days, uh, there may be some days due to an injury, that I need to jog and not run or walk and not jog. But the goal, listen to me, the goal is not to stop when I am tired or don't feel like doing it. The goal is not to stop when I am tired, but to stop when I am finished. I think back to that first one-mile goal years ago and think, man, if I had quit when it got hard or I didn't feel like putting in the effort that day, I wouldn't be where I am today in my fitness and health journey. Or if every time I had another injury come up, which as an athlete feels like the end of the world, you feel like you're gaining ground, then all of a sudden you have to adjust your course. If I had quit every time I got injured, I wouldn't be where I am today either. When unexpected things come up, we have a choice. We can quit, or we can choose to adjust and keep moving forward, even if it is at a slower pace. I have had to overcome many obstacles and injuries with my running and weight training that there are too many times to count. Why do I share this with you? Well, because it fits perfectly with what I'm trying to illustrate with you today. How many times in life when we start things do we want to stop when things get tough or we just don't feel like fighting anymore? That relationship or marriage that was so perfect at the beginning Now, months or years later, the honeymoon phase, it's going to wear off, guys. Those tingles that you feel every time you're together, they're going to wear off. The things that first attracted you to one another now drive you crazy. Not for me. I mean, we've been married 21 years, honey, and there is nothing that you do that drives me crazy. (laughs) What about this one? Date nights are now spent on your phones instead of truly connecting with one another eye to eye. Maybe his or her job is demanding many hours of them so you don't feel like a priority in their life anymore and you just aren't sure if the love that you felt before is still there. Maybe you're married and the rugrats, I mean, I'm sorry, the children, the blessings have come along and they always seem to take up that time that you used to spend one-on-one. You're tired of fighting and exhausted of just thinking of trying to get your marriage back on track. You often wonder if the fight is worth it anymore, and you start thinking that maybe, maybe a divorce is our only option at this point because it doesn't feel like God is helping you through these difficult years in your marriage, and you want to quit. That new job that was so exciting at the beginning is now demanding so much of your time and your energy, and it's all you can do to drag yourself out of bed in the morning. Your coworkers or your boss are rude and you dread seeing them at the office every day. Maybe your attitude stinks about your work environment, and you find yourself complaining more than you did before, and you're starting to wonder if maybe it's time for a new job. I bet a job over at that other factory would be better, is what you tell yourself. You start to question this daily, and you are tired of feeling this way, and you want to quit. Your health journey that you started was amazing the first few weeks, or the first few days, maybe some of you the first few hours. <laughs> a lot of people start these new health journeys on a new year or on a dreaded Monday. Why? Because in their minds, it's a new year or a new week to be perfect, and they start with great enthusiasm, thinking that this is it this is the year or this is the week that I'm finally getting healthy but Tuesday morning rolls around and at staff meetings somebody brings donuts and instead of sticking to their healthy food choices they cave now for some reason when people eat something that isn't a part of their diet what do they do now all of a sudden they aren't starting until the next Monday instead of picking right back up at lunch with their healthy food And continuing from there, they think it's over, they can't do it, and they quit. Or you start going to the gym on Monday, and by the end of the week, for whatever reason it is, you're not disciplining yourself to get out of bed. Maybe the kids' schedules are off, you're sore, you get an injury. For whatever reason it is, you find every excuse in the book not to continue, and instead of taking a break for a day when you're tired, you throw in the towel because it's just too hard, and you quit. I tell people all the time that if your legs are injured, work out your arms. If your arms are injured, do your lower body. If you can't run, jog. If you can't jog, walk. If you can't walk, crawl. (laughs) Now, I'm teasing about crawling, but you get what I'm trying to say to you. You can always still do something. Maybe you don't have the hour that you wanted. So what? Go for a half hour. It's better than getting out of the habit of not going at all but again like everything else the excitement and newness I guarantee you they are going to wear off those finances that you wanted to get in order you have watched the Dave Ramsey course taken all the proper steps to get started maybe you start packing your lunch for work you stop the extra unnecessary spending and you really start to build up that emergency fund and you are finally not living paycheck to paycheck it's a good feeling But the mall, honey, they're having a sale this weekend. Maurice's, 25% off. He's still shaking his head no. The mall starts calling your name. Your coworkers want to go out to eat several times a week, and you want to go. Maybe the car breaks down. You have to repair it. You end up moving, which we all know is expensive. Your friends or family want to take a tropical vacation, and you don't want to say no. Why? Well, because saying no to all these extra expenses isn't fun or easy. It's hard saying no. So you start down the slippery slope of spending more, and before you know it, you are right back to square one. At this point, you take your eyes off the finish line, and you quit. That walk with God that started with fire and so strong was exciting and fun, but you found yourself busy, And not finding those few extra minutes to give God. Your kids are demanding. Maybe your job needs you more hours. You missed one Sunday at church because you were tired and Sunday is my only day to sleep in. If I had a dollar for every time I was told that, I would be a rich woman. I'm tired too, right? Get up and go to church. One Sunday leads to two, then to three. You now go maybe once a month because it has just become easier to stay in bed. You stop serving at church because you're barely there, and when you are there, you want to be in service. I mean, you aren't getting your God time any other time during the week anymore because you're so busy. You no longer feel connected to God or excited about serving his kingdom like you did in the beginning, and you don't even know at this point, if Jesus would return today, would you be ready? Again, it's easy to start something new. But can I tell you something this morning, church? Just as easy it is to start something, it's just as easy to quit. Talk about wanting to quit. We're going to dig into the life of Job a little bit this morning. And we're going to talk about a man who could have easily thrown in the towel when life got hard. We're going to read Job chapter 1 and the first 10 verses of chapter 2. So if you have your Bible or Bible app, you can pull it up on there. Otherwise, you can follow along. On the screen. Job chapter 1. In the land of Uz, there lived a man whose name was Job. He was blameless and upright. He feared God and shunned evil. He had seven sons and three daughters. He owned 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, and 500 donkeys, and had a large number of servants. He was the greatest man among all the people of the East. Can we pause here for a second? I don't even have to go on with what really happened in Job's life to make him want to quit. Like, I raised four kids and a dog. There was days I felt like quitting. I was tired. I was exhausted. It's a lot to be a mom, right? And all the moms in the room are like, preach it. So Job's life already takes the cake. Ten kids, 11,000 animals, and a large number of servants. He had to be exhausted. Verse 4, his sons used to take turns holding feasts in their homes and they would invite their three sisters to eat and drink with them. When a period of feasting had run its course, Job would sin and have them purified. Early in the morning, he would sacrifice a burnt offering for each of them, thinking, perhaps my children have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. This was Job's regular custom. One day, the angels came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan came with them. The Lord says to Satan, where have you come from? Satan replies from roaming the earth back and forth. The Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? There is no one like him. He is blameless and upright, a man who fears God and shuns evil. Does Job not fear God for nothing? Satan replied, Have you not put a hedge around him and his household and everything he has? You have blessed the work of his hands so that his flocks and herds are spread throughout the land. But stretch out your hand and strike everything he has, and he will surely curse you to your face. The Lord says to Satan, very well, everything he has is in your hands, but on the man himself, do not lay a finger. So Satan, uh, Satan went away from the presence of the Lord. So basically, Satan is saying to God that of course Job has dedicated to you. He has a life of abundance. Why wouldn't he be? You've given him all this stuff. You've blessed the work of his hands. Verse 13, one day when Job's sons and daughters were feasting and drinking wine at the oldest brother's house, a messenger came to Job and said, the oxen were plowing and the donkeys were grazing nearby and the Sabians attacked and carried them off. They put the servants to the sword and I am the only one who has escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, another messenger came and said, the fire of God fell from the sky and burned up the sheep and the servants and I am the only one ...who has escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, another messenger came and said, "...the Chaldeans formed three raiding parties and swept down on your camels and carried them off. They put the servants to the sword, and I am the only one who has escaped to tell you." While he was still speaking, another messenger came and said, "...your sons and daughters were feasting and drinking wine at the oldest brother's house... ...when suddenly a mighty wind swept in from the desert and struck the four corners of the house." It collapsed on them, and they are dead, and I am the only one who has escaped to tell you. At this, Job got up, tore his robe, shaved his head, and fell to the ground in worship. He said, naked I have come from my mother's womb, and naked I will depart. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. In all of this, Job did not sin by charging god with wrongdoing chapter 2 verse 1 on another day the angels came to present themselves before the lord satan came the lord says to satan again where have you come from satan's reply roaming the earth back and forth in it the lord said to satan again have you considered my servant job there is no one like him he is blameless and upright A man who fears God and shuns evil, and he still maintains his integrity, though you incited me against him to ruin him without any reason. Skin for skin, Satan replies, a man will give all he has for his own life, but you stretch out your hand and strike his flesh and bones, and he will surely curse you to your face. So the Lord says, all right, he's in your hands, but you can't kill him. You must spare his life. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord and afflicted Job with painful sores, From the soles of his feet to the top of his head, Job took a piece of broken pottery, scraped himself with it as he sat among the ashes. Now catch this, verse 9. Job's wife, his own wife, says to him, Are you still holding on to your integrity? Curse God and die. Even his own wife is telling him, Job, give up. Stop being so faithful to your God. Just curse him and die already. He replies to her, which I'm sure my husband's wanted to say this to me a few times. Verse 10, you are talking like a foolish woman. Shall we accept good from God and not trouble? In all of this, again, it says, Job did not sin in what he said. Talk about a bad day. He loses everything. His own body gets struck with illness, and even his own wife tells him, curse God and die. If anybody had a reason to want to throw in the towel because things got hard, it was Job. Can you imagine how weary he felt? I can only begin to think what was going through his head. I guarantee you, I guarantee you, he wanted to quit. But had he quit, he wouldn't have received the, um, reached the finish line and received the blessings that God has for him. If you go on to read the rest of the book of Job... In chapter 42, it tells us that the Lord restored his fortunes to twice of what he had before. Verse 12 says that um, the Lord blessed the latter part of Job's life more than the former. He didn't stop when he got tired. He stopped when he reached the finish line, which for him was the day that the Lord called him home. What is it for you today that you have started and you are just tired of fighting for. You feel like you've reached your limit. I can't hold on anymore. I don't have any more in me to give. What is it? A marriage, a relationship with your kid, your finances, your health? What is it? Maybe you struggle with anxiety or depression and you don't feel like you can do it anymore. Maybe you're in here today and you just want to give up on life altogether. Kyla, you don't understand. I've tried everything. I'm tired. There is no way that God would do for me what he did for Job. I have cried out and he isn't listening. I just can't. I have nothing left to give. Let me encourage you this morning if you're there with something that God's word says. First Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. How do you get the prize? You gotta get to the finish line. If you want to get to the finish line, church, you can't quit. Galatians 6, 9. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not what? Give up. Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. Be confident of this, that he who began a good work in me will carry it to completion until the day of Jesus Christ just like Job. Had he quit, he wouldn't have finished his race. He would not have received the blessings of twice of what he had before if he had quit his run too early. That moment that you want to quit, that's the moment when you need to press in. You need to press into God. You need to press into his word. You need to get on your knees because I guarantee you he will carry you through when you feel like quitting. Don't quit. Hold on. Take a look at this video. What a perfect video to illustrate what I'm trying to get across to you today. How many times in life do you think that God puts a blindfold on us to ensure that we don't get distracted by the rough road ahead of us? He wants us to trust Him and not quit when the road in front of us might seem impossible. With him, we can push ourselves beyond what we ever thought we could. And just like the video, if we walk around defeated, do you hear the coach tell him that? If we walk around defeated, so will others. As Christ followers, if we walk around speaking death over our family, over our marriage, over our kids, over our job, people see that. God has given you authority in his name over things, so start speaking it as though it is. God, I thank you for my marriage. I thank you for my spouse. I thank you for my kids. I thank you for a good paying job. God is going to do a work in your life, but if you walk around talking defeated, you're going to feel defeated. Start speaking life, church. You have the authority in Jesus to do that. God needs you to fight for your kids. He needs you to fight for your relationship with him. He needs you to fight for your marriage, your job, your health. Whatever it is that you're running a race for, don't you quit your race too early. Just like training the distance for me, if you need to take a break or slow down, do it. If you need to take a different path and try something new to get to your finish line, do it. If you need to reach out and get uh, help for your marriage, do it. For your finances, if you need help getting them in order, reach out and get help. Maybe you're a single parent in the room this morning and you're like, I'm just doing my best trying to raise my kids. It's hard and I don't have the answers. I'm weary and I want to quit. Reach out and get help. Don't feel like you have to do it alone. Life is hard. We should be in this together. Do whatever you need to do. Press into God and let him guide you. But if you quit too early... If you quit too early, don't finish your race. You may miss the blessings that God has for you. Get help. Adjust your course or your original plan. But listen to me this morning, whatever you're fighting for. God is telling you this morning, I see you. I know what you're struggling with. Please, please don't quit. Nothing is over until you quit trying. Pastor Matt.
1: Did she do a great job? What a great word. Oh, I'm so proud of you. You know what? She, she built me up. I, she, I, the Lord really convicted me. You build me up when you preach, and I usually throw you under the bus. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Amen. I want to pray with you today. Could you uh, go ahead and bow your heads, close your eyes? I just want to pray for those of you that are in this room, and maybe you're in a place where, uh, where she just described. Maybe you're in a place where you want to quit. Uh, whatever it might be, uh, she mentioned uh, marriage. She mentioned uh, different relationships, maybe with kids. But you're just maybe maybe it's your health. Maybe you started something. You had one of those New Year's resolutions we call them, and you got all gung ho at the beginning of the year, and you and you gave it up and you quit already. And and maybe today you don't need a January first to start fresh and start new. You could do it right now. So maybe God's speaking to you today. In regards to something that you're struggling with, that you're ready to throw in the towel and give up on, and maybe He's speaking to you today to say, "I need you to hold on. I need you to stay. I need you to stand firm. I need you to trust Me, Father." For those today that are in this room that are struggling with what Kyla just spoke about, God, I just pray for them today. I don't know where they're at. I don't know the situation in life that they're in. We all have different things that, that go on in our life. And, and God, I believe that there are some people in here that are really struggling this morning. As a matter of fact, God, I believe there are some people in here, the only reason they came is because they're struggling so bad. And they just said, I need a touch from God. God, would you just touch them today? Would you encourage them? Would you give them strength, God, that as they leave this place today, They've got a new kick in their step. They're encouraged by the power of the Holy Spirit. They're encouraged to know, God, that you have not given up on them. You've encouraged them to keep going, to keep running their race. Maybe there's some people in here today, God, that are about ready to quit on life. They're about ready to throw in the towel. And God, you brought them into this place for this moment right here so that they can understand how much you love them. God, I believe you're speaking to those people today that if you would just finish your race and trust me, I'll see you through it. I believe, God, that you're going to do that. You're going to see some people through what they're going through, God, as they finish and as they stand strong. And I thank you for that today. I thank you for your faithfulness. I thank you for your promises. In Jesus' name, and I'm going to have, have you keep your head bowed and your eyes closed.